Well, this morning, my brothers and sisters, I'd like to speak about the Old Testament readings, actually, our first reading and the responsorial psalm. And in the uh, in both of these readings, we see this contrast between God's uh, mercy and his love, on the one hand, and his anger, and even uses the word wrath, anger and wrath of God. On the other, and so what I would like to do is talk about um, how the scriptures, when they speak, according to the Catholic theological tradition, the scriptures, when they speak um, of God's love, anger and wrath, it's speaking metaphorically. It's important to understand that, that it's a metaphor. When we speak about God's wrath, it's a metaphor. But when speaking about his love, it's not a metaphor. Okay? Um, so, the wrath of God. The mistake I think many people take when they, when they read the Old Testament especially, but in the New Testament as well, the wrath of God is spoken about in the New Testament as well. Uh, but it obviously features very prominently in the Old Testament. Uh, when it is spoken of, humans... Human readers of the Bible make a kind of fundamental error, really two errors. First of all, we the main thing we do is we project our experience of anger onto God. We kind of end up reducing God to uh, a human being like you or like I. And uh, that's, a, that's a big mistake for two reasons. Number one... Our anger is very rarely justified. Very rarely justified. Most often, when we're, when we get angry, it's really, it's a passion, uh, that gets the best of us, and it needs to be mortified, it needs to be crucified. St. James tells us in the New Testament that the wrath of man does not work the justice of God. And uh, the power that's within us, in technical terms, they call it the irascible appetite. Okay, it's a real technical term. We have this power within us, and uh, we can call it anger. It's like a power of anger. And everybody has that potential. Some have it more than others, okay? And uh, we have it in common with the animals, with animals. Okay, so it's not a very high, lofty reality. Okay, these are emotions, and we, we share them with animals. But it's been given to us, though, for a good reason, and that is this. When with our, with our intellect, we perceive that which is truly good, and with our will, we make the choice to pursue that which is truly good, we're going to find things that oppose us in our pursuit of the good. And the power of anger that God has given us, that nature has given us, is meant to be this kind of inner force that helps us bust through that which resists our pursuit of which is truly good. But because of original sin, because we're fallen, that power of anger that's supposed to be used for good is oftentimes misdirected. And it's, it, we use, it ends up being something that we use to commit a sin. Okay? Very rarely. Is anger uh, ever uh, used justly by by a human being? 
So our experience of anger oftentimes is sinful. And then we then project that onto God when, when the scriptures talk about God's wrath or his anger. So you see how there's a distortion. We have a kind of a, it's easy to have this distorted view of God in the Old Testament. And then beyond the fact that our anger, uh, is oftentimes sinful and we shouldn't be imagining God to be angry in the manner in which we get angry, is that God, the divine nature itself, the divine nature is, doesn't have emotions. Okay, when, now when the divine nature was joined to the human nature of Christ in the person of, of Jesus, uh, that's what, that's part of the incredible mystery is that God now has human emotions. Okay, and that's verified in the second person of the Trinity and the incarnation of Jesus Christ. But the divine nature itself doesn't have emotions. It's so transcendent. Emotions are something that belong to creatures, things with bodies, even. Okay, uh, animals, and we are animals to an extent. Okay, we're rational animals, but we do share things in common with with other animals. And uh, so that's the other reason why we can't we can't project our experience of anger onto God. He's so transcendent of that, of emotions and all that kind of stuff. So, my brothers and sisters. If we are to imitate God, we can't just look in the Old Testament and see the wrath of God and say, like, okay, we're going to go on a war path and we're going to be all wrathful and somehow, you know, we're going to work the righteousness of God. It doesn't happen. St. James says the wrath, the wrath of man does not work the justice of God. Also, people get very fearful of God because they conceive of him as this kind of angry grandfather in the sky. You know, it's almost like a cartoonish uh, caricature of God, and they're reducing him to human categories. He's so transcendent of these things. So, what is it then if the wrath of God and the anger of God is spoken about in the Old Testament, if this is a metaphor? It's got to be a metaphor of something. So what is it a metaphor of? It's a metaphor of the consequences of sin. Our sin, human sin, has seriously negative consequences. Eternal consequences that are negative and temporal consequences that are negative. Very negative. But the love of God and the mercy of God, which the scriptures speak about non-metaphorically, save us from those evil consequences of our sin if we are penitent and have faith and turn to Jesus and find in him the mercy and the love of God.